Well, I grew up in a family of lawyers on the criminal side. There was a lot of conversation about crime in my in my house. <laughs> I started working on the other side of the game with the offenders as opposed to the victims. But after that, then I just moved into victim work. Welcome to an episode of the Interesting People podcast. Today, I'm joined by Inga James, the president and executive director of Hartley House. Inga, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. <laughs> so for people who aren't familiar, I mean, we featured Hartley House a couple of times on the podcast, but just if someone hasn't heard, what is Hartley House? We are the only organization in Frederick County that provides comprehensive services to victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, human trafficking, and child abuse. You guys are switching up one of your signature events. I actually think that this event traditionally is more well-known than Hartley House itself. Unfortunately, it's the Walk-A-Mile event. I think that's probably true. First of all, a couple years ago, we decided to eliminate the heels portion of the walk because it was generally men walking in heels, which was quite funny and a lot of fun. But we decided to make it more inclusive and bring everybody in. So we all walk in red chucks if we have them. But this year we're doing something very special because it's our 40th anniversary. We're having the walk in the morning where we'll walk down Market Street from the trellis at Carroll Creek. And then we'll head back to the creek. We're going to have a concert at the Antheneum on the creek. So now you have a big show at the end of it. Yeah, we're going to have three local artists, including Luna, Chloe Tuvney, and Freddie Long Band. Oh, Freddie Long. Yeah, he's going <laughs> to open up for us. And the concert starts at 1 o'clock. You don't have to walk to go to the concert. Entry will be $5 a piece for the concert, and we're going to have food trucks, and we're going to have a couple breweries there, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. And that'll be a good way to kind of get the word out. We fit some time in between the sets to address issues about domestic violence, sexual assault, human trafficking, and child abuse, and we have a couple survivors that mm -hmm. are going to speak about their story. County Executive Gardner is going to give us a proclamation for our 40th anniversary, and the mayor will be opening the walk and walking down Market Street with us. Glad that my Mike's going to be back there. Yeah, again. it's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, he likes doing that. I got to ask you, so 40 years of the organization, you've been there since 2014. How have things changed since you started with Hartley House? Oh, wow. Things have changed incredibly. We've expanded. We are just sitting on top of each other in our offices, which is going to be helped because we just closed on some new property where we will be moving our legal team. We've also picked up human trafficking as an issue because there are human trafficking cases in Frederick, and it's kind of a stopover for traffickers that are going from one end of the coast to the other on 70. We are working with human trafficking victims and also educating the public about human trafficking. So as the executive director, is that something that you kind of look to? Are you looking for the next big problem that needs to be solved, or what's, what's the main thing that's on your mind? As far as Social issues, I think we're hitting our cap right now. If we go too far any other way, I think we'll be outside our mission. But what we are looking for is to engage more victims because we know that one out of three women are victims of domestic violence. One out of four women are victims of sexual assault. And we're not getting those numbers because if you count those numbers, it's over twenty and 30,000 in the county. And so what we're trying to do is just identify those victims and bring them to services. That's our goal. Do you fear that people know about you, but they 
they don't have the best way to contact you or they're afraid to contact you? Is that part of the, the issue too? Well, I think it's all of that. I think one of the big issues is that people don't know the breadth of our services. They think we're just a shelter or we're just a hotline when we actually do a whole array of other things, including legal representation, professional counseling, and we have a medical accompaniment program. So we meet victims at the hospital if they go there for, for treatment. And we have an abuse intervention program. We really do a lot more than just shelter. The other thing is, yes, people are very afraid to call us. Uh, It's a huge stigma still attached to this kind of violence. And also people are afraid because they're in a dangerous situation and it's not safe for them to call. So I've read the quote, you have a 25-year history in this style of work. What is that history? Where where were you before Hartley House? I was in Montgomery County. I had a consulting business where I worked with victim-serving organizations, and I did some interim executive director work like at Howard County with their domestic violence center and elsewhere. But I've been working with family violence for, actually, you read the article that was printed five years ago. So actually, it's been 30 years now. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I've been, I started out actually as a parole officer working with sex offenders. I started working on the other side of the game with Mm. the offenders as opposed to the victims. But after that, then I just moved into victim work. How do you get involved in being a parole officer? Well, I grew up in a family of lawyers on the criminal side. There was a lot of conversation about crime in my in my house, <laughs> which is kind of weird. But I became very interested in criminal behavior. And so while I was working on my master's in social work, I did an internship with the parole authority in Ohio, where I lived. And then afterwards, they hired me. So what brought you to Maryland? It was kind of like a man. I met my uh, future partner, and he lived here in Rockville, actually. Yeah, I came here and... Uh, Gosh, 16 years ago now. So Hartley House. Hartley House. What attracted you to that? I also sit on the Maryland Network Against Domestic Violence Board of Directors, so Mm -hmm. I knew about some of the issues they were having up here with trying to find the right fit for an executive director. So I thought about it for a long time because I enjoyed consulting. There's a lot of variety. I get to meet a lot of people. I was going into D.C. a lot. But then I also was missing teamwork and I was missing colleagues and I really wanted to engage in an organization. So I thought, what the heck, I'll apply. We'll see what happens. So I sent my resume and Manpower at that time was doing the search. So, Mm. you know, I went through the series of interviews and all that and they settled on me. So I don't know if they settled. I hope they didn't settle. (laughs) Well, I mean, you've been there for five years now at this point. Yeah. And it's so exciting because there are so many things that are changing. I mean, the political climate is very interesting at this Mm -hmm. point right now because there's been a lot of media with the Me Too movement and with human trafficking and domestic violence and some of the very famous people that have been convicted of those crimes. On the other hand, we also are kind of in a conservative political Mm -hmm. climate on the national level where it feels like some of victims' rights are being eroding. And so it's a balance. We have to really balance it. I think the local community, I know the local community is extremely supportive of us, has always been extremely supportive. But when you get out into the national level, Mm -hmm. it feels a little bit more shaky. And I know for particular, I've talked to a lot of organizations, particularly the last year or two, where grants have just kind of disappeared. Yes. Yeah, we haven't seen that yet. We're really lucky because there is a fund at the Office for Victims of Crime with the Federal Department of Justice 
that is earmarked just for victims. Mm. And this is victims of all kinds, but it's not taxpayer money. It's funded by federal fines. Anybody who is fined in a federal court, that's where the money goes. If you recall, about 10 years ago, the tobacco companies were fined huge amounts, and all that went into that fund. And it cannot be, well, so far it hasn't been rated by Congress. They're yeah. always talking about it, but it's statutory. And then in the future, we're going to have the VW case, the Volkswagen case with their emissions, and they were fined. That's going to go into the fund. And then we're also looking at big pharma down the road. So the more crimes that are committed on the federal level, actually, <laughs> the better victims are. I had no idea that's where that came from. Yes. So our grants increased exponentially about two years ago, which has allowed us to do the expansion. Okay. So that's fascinating. So at a certain point, I guess when you hear like, oh, that vaping thing's going kind of rotten, maybe that'll Maybe. Exactly. I watch federal cases all the time just to see what's going to happen. I got to ask, what's it like working in this job? It's like you're going to approach six years of this. Mm-hmm. What's that atmosphere like? What's really keeping you going? Is it just the idea that you're helping people? There's a couple things. Yes, the idea that we're helping a population that doesn't get a lot of help. But the other thing is, first of all, we have incredible community relationships. Our relationships with the sheriff's department and the police department are wonderful and with other human service organizations, just great. But I have to say that the culture of Hartley House has always been one of compassion and of joy, Mm -hmm. if you can think, if you can look at it that way. And so we're what we call a trauma-informed organization. So we treat each other like we treat our clients, with compassion, with empathy, with openness, And we work really hard at not judging people because trauma causes people to do things they wouldn't normally do. One of the things I really like about Hartley House is the idea of the client. You don't call your patients or the people that use Hartley House the the term client. Has that always been there from when you started? Yeah, there was kind of a trend about 10 years ago in the human services field that instead of calling a person a patient or anything else, client makes it feel like it's more of an equitable relationship. We're both in this together and we're working towards the same goal. In the history of this, I'm just, and I'm talking like the mm-hmm. big scale, like 25 years of like, has there been a turning point in any of that? Have you really felt? I think probably the most monumental turning point was in 94 when we passed the Violence Against Women Act. Joe Biden was very instrumental in getting that passed. It earmarked a lot of money for victims mm-hmm. of of gender violence primarily. Doesn't mean we can't serve men, but it is in the Office on Violence Against Women. So I think that was monumental. It's up for renewal. It was renewed again in 2004. I think it's up for renewal right now. And there are some legislators that are balking at it, unfortunately. Okay. It will be terrible if that happens, if that money goes away, if that philosophy goes away, that understanding of the issues goes away. It, It will be a horrible loss for our field. Also on how things have changed, how has social media changed the game? Well, first of all, it really raises the awareness in the community. Um, We try to do substantive social media posts and blast emails that educate people. But we also just want to get our name out there. Mm -hmm. 
so people understand that we're here. One of the other things that we want to get out there and that we work on is helping people understand that we never ask about immigration status. We're Mm. not interested in whether you have papers or not. It will never, ever come up, but I know that's a big stumbling block for a lot of victims. And among our immigrant populations, domestic violence and intrafamilial sexual assault tends to be seen as a family matter. Don't go outside the family. You made your bed, now lie in it kind mm-hmm. of thing. You know, we fight that. I mean, that's, that's I guess that's another issue dealing with is the cultural differences. Absolutely. Because um, even though we live in one spot, like every culture that's here treats that in a different way, thinks about it in a different way. Too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, our, our movement really isn't that old. Uh, we're 40 years old, but it was just the mid-70s when people started really looking at this issue. And it was all grassroots to begin with. And it was led by community women. Mm-hmm. It's grown into a national movement, but it was really in its infancy just 40 years ago. When you look at things, other stigma producing illnesses or social issues, they've been around a lot longer. I mean, mm-hmm. mental illness, not that it was has been treated well. They were institutionalizing people for mental illness in the 1800s. They recognized there was something wrong. With us, it's only 40 years. I mean, that's the difficulty, too, because it's always existed. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, and when you say like that, 40 years seems like barely a drop in the bucket. Right. In terms of people taking it seriously. That's right. And I, I remember it's like Hartley House in particular, before you guys had the branding of Hartley House, which I think you changed in 1985. Right. It had like, was it, the, it had a completely different name. Yes, it was a task force on battered spouses. Which just sounds super outdated and reminds you the kind of era it came from. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, and I think one of the things Hartley House helps grow past that is, and I think you've touched on it once or twice, is helping everyone. You guys, or guys, <laughs> you guys do take care of guys. like uh, uh, Yes. Men and, and children. Children, yes. You guys look into. Yes, yes. We, um, we're, we're not age-specific. We're not gender-specific. We not only work with males, but we work with non-binary. We work with trans. We do not eliminate anyone mm-hmm. unless you're the abuser. Yeah. <laughs> then we don't serve you unless you're in our abuse intervention program. And I did see you at Pride a couple yes. weeks back. I feel like that was probably longer than a week uh, a couple yeah, it weeks was, ago actually. at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's something. Has that changed a little bit in Frederick? Is it uh, Are more people coming forward? Is, like, the, the trans issue with Hartley House? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It's one of those things that we have to like run and catch up with because people are out there claiming themselves and we just got to catch up. Mm. And because, well, I don't know exactly the reason, but, you know, organizations are kind of slower than individuals to catch up with those kinds of things. So um, it it is coming forward more. Mm. We have a fairly significant LGBTQ uh, community that we work with. We work very closely with the Frederick Center, and we have a, a group, a, a support group for LGBTQ victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. So, yeah, we're getting there. We're yeah. Getting there. It, it's got one well, that's the, it's always changing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that's got to be the biggest part of the job is right. keeping up with it and finding everything. It's amazing. And, you know, I mean, the laws change every year. I do some legislation mm-hmm. or legislative advocacy. And every year there are new laws that are proposed in the state of Maryland to help protect victims and help move their case forward. So every year something's changing. And I think 
I give that credit to the strong organizations that we have in the state that are pushing for this new legislation. Other than the Walk a Mile, the big concert event, are there any big things you're looking forward to in the future for the organization? I'm involved in planning and implementing the Summit of Intersections, which is happening on September 27th. It's a conference for social workers, substance use treatment providers, and professional uh, psychologists. And we're looking at the intersections of mental health, sexual assault, and substance use within the context of the criminal justice system. So that's one thing that's happening in September. We also have, of course, our annual affair of the heart Mm -hmm. coming up in May. That's a little bit farther off. Yeah. All righty. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was fun catching up. I never interview with the exact same question. You can take this as broad or as little as you want to. What are you looking forward to? What excites you? What excites me is helping the community as much as they've helped us. Mm-hmm. Like I said, our clientele's growing all the time. This summer, our call rate on our crisis line just like hit the ceiling. So people are coming more and more. So Yeah, we have a very, very strong outreach and prevention team right now, and Mm -hmm. they're getting out there, and they're talking about us, and they're talking to school kids, and they're telling people what we can do. And so I'm really excited to see how that then results in more victims being able to come forward. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you.